Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Truth. Oh, this is a good one today. I am Larry the Cable Guy, Dan Whitney um, uh, is my real name. Um, uh, I'm here with my guest, Nat Crawford, uh, for the uh, Genesis 44 today. This is called True Repentance. Uh, we're going to focus on repentance, forgiveness, and guilt. Because um, everybody, we all need forgiveness, absolutely. And the big thing is, honestly, we got to forgive other people. Because if you don't forgive other people, it's not going to work, man. God forgives us, uh, so you got to forgive other people. I know it's not easy. Uh, so listen, get ready to get challenged today. And get encouraged, though. Mm. Because we're going to look at the life of Joseph, and you'll see how all of this works. And, of course, uh, leading the way is Brian Clark, uh, my buddy Brian. He's going to read the text, Genesis 44. And then and Nat and I are just going to chime in and and just uh, discuss what we think about it with Brian. So hopefully you get something out of it. Um, I know I get something out of it every week. And uh, all right, Brian, here we go. All right. So imagine you're riding with a coworker or a friend to a big event. You notice the car is headed in the wrong direction. Oh, by the way, Brian, sorry. This uh, For this one, when you read it, mm -hmm. uh, I want you to do something different this time. I want you to read it monotone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Burn. All right, let me see if I can. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You notice that the car is headed in the wrong direction, so you say something. Immediately, the driver says how sorry he is, and he apologizes. Yet he keeps going the wrong direction. When you point it out again, he cries and says how sorry he is, but he keeps going the wrong direction. This happens several more times until you reach a point where you don't want to hear him say one more time how sorry he is. What you want to do is scream, stop saying you're sorry and turn the car around. That's my angry voice right yeah, That was pretty intense. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm thanks. scared. That was fantastic. Mm -hmm. You think, well, now that's a strange story. Well, I agree. But it happens every day. People are guilty of hurtful and destructive behavior. They cry and they say they're sorry over and over. But soon enough, they do it again and again. You know, there's a big difference between being sorry and true repentance. Repentance means you stop the car, you turn around, and you go the right direction. Sorry is easy. Repentance is hard. Can I extend grace to someone who is not repentant? Sure. The Bible states, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Can I forgive someone who is not repentant? Yes. I can refuse to be held hostage to someone else's sin. Can I restore or reconcile a relationship with someone who has deeply wounded me and is unrepentant? No. That's not really going to work. Relationships require trust, and for trust to be restored, true repentance is necessary. This is where Joseph finds himself with his brothers in today's story from Genesis 44. He wants to be reconciled to them, but needs to determine if they have changed their evil ways. The brothers did not react to Benjamin receiving five times more food. 
Well, that's a good sign. Then the house steward filled their bags with grain, but Joseph took a special cup and he hid it in Benjamin's bag. The brothers left with Simeon and Benjamin went on their way back home relieved. Joseph waited a bit, then instructed his house steward to go out and track down his brothers. Ask them why they had returned evil for good by stealing Joseph's valuable cup. Of course, this referred to far more than the cup. They had returned evil for good most of their lives. The house steward caught up to them and accused them of stealing the cup. Of course, the brothers were offended that such an accusation was made. They invited the steward to look through their bags, offering that if anyone stole anything, that person should be put to death. The house steward went from oldest to youngest. No doubt the tension was high. Then he found the cup in Benjamin's bag. The brothers tore their clothes, exactly as Jacob had done when he learned of Joseph's death. This was the moment of truth. If the brothers hated Benjamin as they had hated Joseph, this was their chance to be rid of him once for all. They could tell Jacob it was Benjamin's fault for stealing the cup. But instead, the brothers made the decision to return to Egypt with Benjamin and face the consequences together. They returned to Joseph and fell on their faces before him, fulfilling one of Joseph's dreams. The brothers determined God must have put the cup in the bag. It was his way of judging them for their sin. They were getting what they deserved after what they had done to their brother Joseph. But Joseph gave them one more test. He told the brothers they were all free to go, except for the one who had stolen the cup. Joseph gave them one more chance to be rid of Benjamin and set themselves free. Judah then gave what some scholars to believe the most impassioned speech in all of the Old Testament. He pled with Joseph for the sake of his father Jacob. Judah was not trying to save his own neck or his brothers, but his appeal was for the sake of his father who had experienced so much grief. Judah even offered to take Benjamin's punishment so his little brother could return home for the sake of his grieving father. As just a side note, by now the events of Judah and Tamar that we studied in chapter 38 had all transpired back home. Perhaps that experience had changed Judah for the better. Up until now, the brothers had never cared about their father or anyone else. They had lived their lives for themselves, and they had hurt a lot of people in the process. But in this moment, it was evident to Joseph something dramatic had changed his brothers. They were not the same selfish, evil men they had been before. I mean, people do change, which sets up the long-awaited reunion in the next episode. Maybe you identify with the brothers in this story and you recognize it's time to truly repent of some area of sin. It's got to be more than merely being sorry. It's time to put a stake in the ground and be done with that sin. Or maybe you identify with Joseph in the story. Someone has wounded you deeply, but God is calling you to forgive, to extend grace, maybe to even try to restore the relationship. I mean, people do change. 
That's what the gospel of Jesus is all about. Let's bring in Dan and Nat. Let's talk about this. Guys, what an incredible story on so many levels. Yeah, it's uh, amazing. You know, I've always wondered, and this is just a little side note, how many, how many, how much clothing did these guys go through? Because <laughs> anytime <laughs> something happened, they would tear their clothes. <laughs> and you read the Bible all the time, and they went out, and the mule was gone, and he tore his clothes. clothes. I'm like, man, they get, they've got to have had thousands well, they of were changes. Well, they were very good at uh, repairing their clothes. Well, that's where right? they invented Velcro. Oh, is that what a word? Oh, that's it's stage right. costuming. After, they after, were a while, they just went, after a while, they that just went so to much Velcro. Sense. Uh-huh. Man, well, I think that wraps up this episode. Then. Right. We got to the right. point. Velcro, <laughs> Velcro and slip-on shoes came oh, from uh, the story of Joseph. Man. You know, I, I think this um, is such a good story to wrestle with because, you know, your illustration of that at the beginning was excellent. How many times... Have we experienced or have we been the person who recognized that maybe we're on the wrong path, but we get caught, we say we're sorry, but then we just keep doing it. And and I think that is the difference between repentance and the flippant I'm sorry, or maybe even potential regret or remorse. It's that realizing that what you've done is in fact wrong, that you know that the actions you've taken have caused harm and you regret it, you mourn it. You know, we talk a lot about that uh, with with our kids. We've got three, you know, teen, teen boys and a younger child and and when they get caught, they're sorry. Oh, you're right, I'm sorry. Well, why'd you hit your brother? Well, he deserved it. Oh, he did? And then, so are you going to do it again? No, no, but can I please still have my thing? Well, let's talk about it. And then five minutes later, they go back and hit the brother again. I'll be honest. I wanted to punch his kids. Well, <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about then. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah. He totally gets it. Mm-hmm. But again, the difference would be that when you are repentant, you actually acknowledge truly what you've done, who you've harmed, the, the cost of that decision, and now you're turning around in your illustration to not do it again. That is a difference, I think, between those two things, and we're starting to see that unfold in the story. Absolutely. I was only kidding, by the way. You have wonderful Yeah, kids. you're going to get the, uh, the note from my lawyer, by the way. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, they were... They had to go through a lot before they they actually got changed. I have to ask you, though, if someone is... Now, I'm taking this from the... I think a lot of people would have this question. I think that a lot of Christians have certain things they struggle with, whether it be uh, uh, overeating, alcoholism, whatever, okay? Say a person was saved... They repented from, I, I'm not getting drunk anymore, I rep- blah, blah, blah. And um, six years later, something happened, that could, and they got hammered. Oh, I should have never. And then they, I'm not doing this, I'm repenting of this. 
and then they're good for another mm-hmm. year and a half. My question is, I I feel that someone like that really is sorry and really is repentant, but that just that demon of drinking and dealing with something sometimes just gets a hold of them. I mean, do you tell that person, well, you weren't really saved to begin with? Or or do you just tell them, I mean, what would you say something to somebody like that? You need to, you're not putting on the armor, you're not, you know what I mean? Well, I would never tell them that they aren't saved. I mean, if they understand the gospel. Right. But you're right, Christians struggle with things, and everybody's got their own stuff, and right. those addictive issues can be really powerful. But I think there's a difference between someone who faces it, and maybe they do go years without drinking in this case, and then something happens, and they kind of default back to it, and I think they have to face into it and try and figure out what happened and move forward. But whether it's an addiction or whether it's greed or or whether it's fear or anxiety, the issue, so like confession, the actual word confession means to agree with God. So it's the idea of getting serious about this stuff. It doesn't mean perfection, and it doesn't mean there aren't going to be times when we go back and we have to, and we have to face it again. Right. But if I'm going to confess, if I'm going to agree with God that something is sin, then part of what's implied in that, then it needs to stop. I can't just keep sinning in the face of God and it not bother me. So that sin, sorry, sin, sorry, sin, sorry cycle is a failure to take sin seriously. And we just think, well, God will just keep forgiving me. And what's the big deal? That's really different than what you're describing. Right. Just the fact that this person agonizes over that. Right. It's like, well, they're convicted of the sin. They don't They want to do that. Right. And hopefully they keep growing and, and eventually move past that. But right. that's, that's really different than somebody who's just in the mo- moment emotional, and then they they don't take it very seriously, and then it just happens again and again and right. again. But the fact they're agonizing over it. Yeah, that's a like, great sign. Well, well I think that's a... a that, that makes me feel better. I'll tell that person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But I think that's a good, that's a good thing to discuss because... Uh, you know, one, it's not our j- job to judge people's salvation. I think the Bible is clear. But I do think, though, like the Apostle Paul said, evaluate yourself to see if you're of the faith. That's one of those markers, right? Not perfection, but are you looking to grow, to overcome, to to deal with those sin issues? Not, again, out of obligation. Right, and God knows your heart. God exactly looks, right. sees people's hearts. Right, right. And so, but again, that's one of those evidences of our salvation is that we do uh, regret. We have remorse. We we mourn those those sins, and it's not because of the consequences, but it's because of who we've sinned against. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and in in for us in getting involved, we're, we're not wanting to condemn them or punish them. Right. We're wanting to help them. Right. Because sin is destructive, and we're trying to help them move past that. Mm. And to grow past that, you know, if, if I have a husband sitting in my office and he keeps cheating on his wife, that's not okay. There has to be, you have to take that seriously. Mm. 
and we're willing to roll up our sleeves and be part of trying to help with that. Right, right. Uh, so it's it's not it's not to judge or to punish. It's it's to help. Right, which I think is a good good point to remember. Even God in His discipline for us is not again to shame or to humiliate or to crush us, but it's to help us become everything He saved us to be. That's that's a beautiful picture of of His love for us. But yeah, but the forgiveness with Joseph forgiving his brothers after what they did to him, uh, and the way that they changed. I mean, that's the whole key to everything, you know. Jesus forgives us. So, yeah, we should forgive. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but you have to forgive people. And not only that, when you talk to people that say, you know what, I never, I felt like a rock was lifted off of me when I forgave mm-hmm. so-and-so, mm-hmm. even if they didn't forgive me back or whatever, once I forgave them, whole different my life just opened up yeah. differently. Yeah. When you hold hate and you hold grudges, it'll ruin your life. Mm. It's bad for your health. It's, yeah. So forgiveness, uh, that's what Jesus wants us to do. It, it'll definitely change your life. That's a fact. Yeah, there was a movie from the 80s uh, with Robert De Niro called, the, I think it was called The Mission, and this gentleman, he had created, he had done some horrible things. Um, and at the end of the movie, he's carrying this this satchel full of of weights, and and he won't let it go. He won't let it go. He won't let it go. And he's agonizing, and he's just in pain, and he's hurting. But then he gets to this moment where this gentleman cuts the burden off. And he embraces him, and he just falls and cries because the weight has finally been relieved. That's what Christ offers all of us and any of us who are carrying those burdens of regret and remorse. There is no sin that Christ can't forgive. That is exactly what people are looking for, that they are using drugs and alcohol and sex and pornography to try to cope with. But forgiveness is there, and it's free. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget these these brothers. They were mass murders going back to the Shechem story. Right. I mean, these were some bad guys. They were going to kill Joseph. Hmm. They instead sell him into slavery, then lie to their dad and devastate him. Hmm. I, I mean, these are some bad guys. Right. But they've changed. Hmm. And Joseph sees that and responds to that with grace and forgiveness. It, it's a great story. And it's what then sets up the ability to reconcile the family back together. Absolutely. And and there's not one person that can't change. Everybody can change. And forgiveness is a Mm -hmm. big part of that. And I think we're all all, uh, witnesses of it, but also examples of it here in this room. Absolutely. Which is awesome. Hey, everybody. Brian here. You know, I really enjoyed doing this podcast with Dan and Nat, and I pray that it's been an encouragement to you today. We'll be back again next week with more on the Joseph story. But before we go, I just want to mention that I've written a companion study for this series. It's called Unstoppable Grace and includes the scripture for each study, along with some insights and a few questions to help you consider God's grace in your life. 
get your copy of Unstoppable Grace, visit our website at talkintruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com. And thanks again for being with us. I pray you'll recognize God's grace in your life today. And we look forward to having you back again with us in the next episode. Get it done.